you are listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. I'm Autumn, and today I'm joined by Amber. Hey. Bethany. Hello. And Suzanne. Hey, hey. I am so glad to be back recording with you guys this week. Does anybody have some mousekeeping they want to discuss before we jump into the episode? So I have a little bit of Disney news that I was going to share with everyone. Um, not sure if everyone saw in the news, in the headlines, but we have an official closing date of Splash Mountain and its current um, Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear theming. Um, so the closing date is going to be January 23rd, 2023. That means the last day it will be in operation will be January 22nd. So sad. I know, me too. I mean, I'm excited about the new theming, but I grew up with those characters, the Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear stories. And so that's always just been kind of sentimental to me as a child. Um, so I'm going to miss it, but I'm also looking forward to the Princess and the Frog theming. I am super excited about the Princess and the Frog theming. I think that either our first or second episode together is when we were talking about that. And so as soon as I heard that was going to happen, I have been ready for it and from all these circumstances it's been really drawn out so I'm glad that we're finally able to move forward on that announcement that was made years ago at this point yeah I was actually at the Christmas party a few weeks ago with my family and I had gone around to all the family members to say what's your favorite ride that you want to do tonight so I'll make sure we at least hit everyone's favorites so everyone said what their favorite was and my favorite has always been Splash Mountain and so that night I said okay and of course mine is splash <laughs> but it got cold and rainy and it was like at 10 30 at night the party goes to about midnight but I was like okay it's time for splash mountain now and everyone else in the family was like we don't want to do splash we want to go to the resort and go to bed because we were going on the cruise the next day I was like really what if it closes and I never got a chance to say goodbye <laughs> oh uh, lo and behold yeah so and so we did not ride it that night I gave in to the family and just went along back to the resort so now I feel really bad that I didn't didn't get a chance to say bye but um it sounds like maybe we might have a pod mother trip coming up to officially say goodbye to Splash Mountain in January so fingers crossed that that works out if it does we'll definitely have some maybe record an episode from there definitely sharing some pictures and videos from there that would be awesome I love it the so I'd love right I love the idea of the re-theme although right I I you know that's my splash the only part that I'm getting a little nervous about is I heard rumor that Pecos Bills right because with the, the theme, they've got to, you know, enhance the land a little bit to, to support the new theme. Mm-hmm. I had heard Pecos, which is my favorite, might be switching to a Nor- Nor- New Orleans type mm. of, yeah, I, I don't love that part because Pecos, that's my go-to, my favorite of magic. So that's the only part I'm a little like, don't touch my Pecos. Yeah, I, I heard that. That's the first time for me. I hadn't heard that either, and I didn't think it would come up so soon in this episode, but it's time for an autumn hot take. (laughs) (laughs) We need a sound effect for autumn hot take. (laughs) I don't know why people like Pecos Bills. I don't like it. it. 
it's so much food for a reasonable price and you get the toppings bar. I do like a huge fajita platter. I'm filled up for hours. I, okay. I can see that aspect of it, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I live in like a really good area for Mexican food or something, but I'm always just like a little disappointed in it when I eat there. So I have not, I haven't eaten there in a while because I tend to like snack around in Magic Kingdom and like just try out a bunch of other stuff. But um, that's your hot take for the episode. Autumn doesn't like Pecos Bills. <laughs> I like the food. The food at Pecos is decent. What I don't like about it is their seating situation. Like it's got these like small rooms with small tables with small chairs and it feels like everything is just cramped in you're backing up to people at other tables I feel like so it's just the seating areas feel kind of disorganized to me yeah it's not one we usually do but if they do switch it to New Orleans I mean they've got some great places out in Disneyland that they can draw inspiration from so hopefully they'll do it to do it upright but yeah. And from an opening date, I think the only thing we know is sometime in 2024. So we'll have to kind of keep our eyes out kind of when that 2024 opening date is. Right. We have to keep our Mickey ears on. Speaking yeah. of Bethany, I heard you got some new holiday ears this week. I and- did. Yeah. I supported local. I, I popped onto Etsy and from it's pretty in mini is the the gal that I purchased my ears through and they're Dooney inspired so they're like that classic warm cozy Mickey and Minnie Disney um so I'm really excited I can't I don't test drive them until next December but they were adorable and the headband feels so comfortable compared to the the ears you purchased in the parks, which was, um, which was really appreciated. If I remember right, you were saying that you have not bought non-parks ears before. These are your first right. ears outside of Disney parks. It is. Well, I hope you enjoy them. They are super cute. I've seen the pictures. We'll have to throw some up on our page yes. so everybody else can see them too. I will. I will. Thank you. Well, does that wrap up our mousekeeping? Anybody else? Oh, 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 hot one. <laughs> Caribbean beach rooms. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Caribbean beach has had a retheme. What used to be their pirate rooms have now been renovated, updated, and now they are under the sea aerial theme. What do you guys think about it? I like the pictures that I saw. They were really cute. My only concern is we already have little mermaid theme rooms at art of animation, why are we doing a second resort with Little Mermaid theming when there's so many other Disney movies that we could choose from? And I also like the pirate aspect because that um, connected with a lot of our boys. Our little princesses already have um, the royal rooms at Port Orleans Riverside. So I thought that the little that the pirate was something nice for the little boys. Um, so this kind of makes me wonder if they're going to be keeping those Little Mermaid rooms at Art of Animation. I know they were recently renovated, so I guess they are planning on keeping them for a while. But I'm kind of scratching my head wondering why they did Little Mermaid when they already have Little Mermaid themed rooms. I totally agree with you. And I had that thought myself. And I just keep coming back to like being Caribbean Beach Resort um Sebastian I think they're all in the Caribbean Sebastian clearly has like that type of accent so I think maybe that's why they 
chose to go with that because it felt very in theme for Caribbean Beach. Mm-hmm. But I felt the same about losing the pirate room because I don't really, we did recently get the incredible themed rooms over at the Contemporary, which can, you know, anybody, you know, can well, anybody can like princesses too. But I guess I'm just thinking I had planned and have been having it in my head for a while now that when I take my son on his solo trip, when he turns five, that's what I want to do for both of my kids. I had planned on us being at the pirate rooms as like a special treat for him and his trip. And really now I'm not sure where we're going to end up. Maybe those incredible rooms. Um, but there is just a lot of princess type rooms available and not a lot of, you know, other ones for kids that are maybe not into princesses. That's very true. And the incredible rooms definitely come at a much more incredible price point than <laughs> the pirate theme rooms. Correct. So it's not in everybody's budget. Um, I do think that the Little Mermaid rooms, though, are really pretty and light and airy, where the pirate rooms were very dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they did a nice job with them. But yes, it would have been nice to have another IP in there. Oh, they're super cute. I just, I think I was just a little surprised because when we knew they were getting, you know, refurbed I just assumed it was going to be a new type of pirate room instead mm-hmm. of a total overhaul the rooms themselves are really pretty I wouldn't hesitate to put somebody in there at all I'm sure the beds are much more comfortable because that was the number one complaint was yes. that the pirate beds were not comfortable and they were and they were doubles yeah yeah I just hope that as things are you know continue to be refurbed somewhere we get you know Maybe not a pirate room specifically, but just something for um, people that don't necessarily need a princess room. I know we have the suites over Art of Animation, but you have to be willing to pay for a suite and need the space of a suite. And frankly, we just don't, especially for the type of trip I'm thinking about currently, because those are Nemo and Lion King and Cars, and those are great rooms and they have super cute themes, but not everybody needs a suite. So Good point. And my sister, all I agree with all of it, right? Beautiful rooms, nice and bright and airy. My sister pointed out, are these rooms fifth, five sleeper rooms? I think they are. Because the pirate rooms were not, right? And I didn't realize it was a double. But yeah, it appears they're going to be a fifth sleeper type of a room. So that's... So we have stayed at Caribbean Beach in a fifth sleeper, obviously not in those rooms. This was a few years back. And we loved that room. Um, We had a lot of space in there. We used the sleeper um, during the day. My son at that time was like, my daughter was still in her pack and play. Oh no, my son was still in his pack and play. There were only three of us. We had just gotten randomly upgraded because of the closings during the pandemic. Our resort wasn't open. So we really loved that room. And we did use that fifth sleeper and pulled down during the day for him to sit on and play on. And even with it down, we still had what I felt like was decent space to have um, two beds in there, plus the sleeper pulled down. Nice. That's good. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, I've not had a fifth sleeper room yet. Um, so, but that was a neat thing that I did not notice until kind of taking a peek at those photos. And I think those rooms, they are not, no, 2023 is when they're going to come online. I don't know if we have a specific time yet within next year, but next year they're supposed to be becoming available to um, book. Um, Since we're talking about the sleepers, I do just want to throw out that those are really great for people that are either short, like if you're a shorter adult, you (laughs) will be comfortable on that bed. I would say maybe like 
five, four, five, three and under, um, or that age of kids when they're like, maybe don't want to share or bed with their sibling, but you know, you don't really want to have two rooms yet. You can throw like an elementary age kid in there and they are going to be perfectly comfortable. I, is it a twin? Is it an actual twin size or just similarly it's smaller sized? than a twin? I think it might be called a single. Okay. Yeah. So it's for smaller people. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily, <laughs> if you have five adults, I wouldn't necessarily count on an adult sleeping there unless, like I said, they are a, a shorter <laughs> on the shorter yeah. side. All right. Well, this week we're going to go back to the parks and talk about our ideal itinerary for first time Walt Disney World guests. So let's just get some basic facts out of the way first, things that our first timers need to know before they um, take the plunge and book their trip. Walt Disney World is located in Orlando, Florida, and that may sound like a completely obvious statement, but some people don't realize that we have Walt Disney World and Disneyland out in California and that they're actually two different places and not, not actually all that similar when it comes to planning trips. So right now we are talking about Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. It is home to four Disney theme parks, two water parks, Disney Spring Shopping Center, two mini golf courses, and 32 resorts, of which 22 are owned and operated by Walt Disney World. When planning your trip and when booking with us as travel agents, we are most likely looking at Walt Disney World vacation packages. And so Disney likes to bundle them all nice for you. You get your room stay and your tickets all in one little bundle. But there's still some things you need to decide when we're booking those packages. Things like what type of ticket do you want? We have two main types of tickets. We have a base ticket, which allows you to visit one park per day and a park hopper ticket. A park hopper allows you to visit multiple parks in one day. With both ticket types, you will need a park pass reservation, and that's for whichever park you're starting your day in. So if you're only in one park, you need the reservation. If you have a hopper, you still need a reservation for the first part of your day. And then at that 2 p.m. mark, you can hop to any park that has availability, which at this point, I don't think we've really run into parks not having availability to hop, um, but that is a technical caveat is that it does have to have open availability. Um, another thing you can add to your package is Memory Maker. Memory Maker is a photo package that gives you access to all your photos and videos throughout your vacation. This includes ride photos and videos, magic shots, the photo studio at Disney Springs, and any and all photos taken by photo pass photographers. And you'll see these all throughout the parks in their khaki shorts and vests, and they'll have their cameras. You will not be able to miss them. There are also almost unlimited add-ons you can purchase to upgrade your Walt Disney World vacation package. We're not gonna talk about all of them because there are way too many to mention, but I will mention the most popular and the things that our clients ask about the most. Right now, of course, that's GD Plus, which allows you access to lightning lanes, which essentially means you get to skip the line. Genie Plus has date-specific and park-specific pricing. While it used to be a flat rate of $15, now it can change every day and depending on your park. On my most recent trip, we did pay $15 one day. Another day it was $20. I've seen it be as high as $29 per ticket. 
Um, so that's something that you just have to find out the day up. There's not a, really a way right now to know in advance how much it's going to cost you if you're wanting to purchase it. You can also purchase individual lightning lanes without Genie Plus, and these are ride and day specific pricing. So for us on our recent trip, we purchased this for, um, believe it was, we did it for Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, I believe. I know we did it for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and in Magic Kingdom, I believe we did it for Remy's in Epcot. And um, I don't remember the exact pricing on those, but I think it was something around 10, 11, 12, dollars per person on our trip that was doing that ride. Um, another really popular upgrade option are magic bands. These are a convenience item that allows you to open your Disney resort room, make payments on Disney properties, such as if you're at one of the Disney restaurants or maybe you're in one of the um, gift shops, you can scan your band. And basically what that does is charge it to your room um, or the card that you have on file with your band and your room. You can scan into parks, you can scan into lightning lanes, you can scan into dining reservations and photo pass spots. And there's even a new edition of Magic Band that's called Magic Band Plus that has interactive park elements. And that is a lot. That's a lot of information. <laughs> so we are going to stop here and do a quick round table with all of us here um, to talk about these different, these different options. So first we're gonna start with Base ticket or park hopper, which of these are you recommending for first time Walt Disney World guests? Amber, you're up first. For first timers, I'm going to say base, um, just because it can be overwhelming to try to get to different parks in a day. And, and first timers are usually soaking it all in and probably wouldn't have time to go to a second park anyway. Okay, Bethany, what do you think? For a first timer, I agree as well. Base tickets, even myself being, you know, 20 trips or so deep, I've now been getting base tickets. There's just so much to do and see and eat. And it takes a good 45 minutes to an hour sometimes to bounce to the, to the next park. So base ticket for those first timers for sure. Suzanne, what about you? I definitely agree. Um, you could be there park opening, you know, rope drop to park close and still not see and do everything. So when you're trying to, to catch all the highlights, get as much in as you can, I'd say base ticket and don't waste your time um, on that bus. Yeah, so I agree with that. I like to start first timers with the base ticket and um, most of them, you know, like that the best. The idea of traveling between parks can be a little intimidating, especially if you have never been to Disney before or maybe you haven't been in a very long time and you're not familiar with the layout, um, a base ticket is what I recommend. So what about Memory Maker? Do you guys have experience with it and do you recommend it to your first timers? Uh, Amber. Um, I'm gonna say yes for a first time trip. Um, my clients especially love the extra magic shots where they can get like with the little girl with the Tinkerbell holding holding Tinkerbell in her hands or Mickey Mouse looking over your shoulder, those extra magic thoughts are fun. Bethany, what about you? Yes, definitely. We love Memory Maker. It is an excellent, excellent add-on. Suzanne, do you guys recommend Memory Maker for your clients? I definitely do. Even for my um, my seasoned clients, I think it's so great. But for your first timers, you're going to want to remember every moment and you're going to want to make sure mom is in every picture too. So uh, if yes. you get Memory Maker, 
that ensures that the whole family is there at every you know milestone um, and you'll remember all of those. I was going to say that as a parent, it is worth it. It is worth the price and totally because the whole family can be in the picture. We don't have to stop a random stranger to say, hey, can you take our picture? Can we trade off pictures? Um, there are people in the parks that are ready and willing to do that for you. And not only are they going to take your picture, they are in prime picture locations. They are there all down Main Street, right in front of the castle. They are in those, you know, main spots where you would want a picture anyway and so you can be there and not only do you get that group shot if you want to mix it up and have just the kids in the shot or maybe do a picture of just the parents you can do all that without having to worry about you know jostling your bags or stand here or hold this or any of that it just makes that process a little more seamless and helps you you know memorialize that trip and they're pros at getting the kids to look at them and smile and they will pause and wait for people to pass by to try to get the best picture um, where some random stranger is not going to help you with any of that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so magic bands, do we think these are worth it? Um, Amber, what do you think? If they're going to be in the parks and using Genie Plus and Lightning Lane, definitely worth it. So they don't have to keep digging out their cards for every um every ride but if they're not using genie plus and we'll get to that a little bit later then maybe not so i'm going to say it depends all right bethany what do you think magic bands yay or nay oh yeah definitely i've seen too many people trying to use the magic mobile on the phone and phones are dropping the apps freezing they can't scan into the ride so 100 magic band you can leave all of your credit cards behind you don't have to, it's no cash on you it's the way to go. Suzanne, what do you think about the Magic Bands? I'm definitely a huge Magic Band fan. And I think it's really fun to let everybody pick theirs out before the trip. It's something that kind of gets you excited for your trip. They're so customizable. There's so many different fun choices. Um, so it's a, a very cost-effective souvenir, I feel like, um, for your stay. Absolutely. I can't remember what the starting price of these is now. It's something, is it like $15, $20? Is it less yeah, than Yeah, if that? you buy them, I think it's 15 for the base colors if you get them um, trip. for your trip, if you don't yeah. go on the website, but if you go through your booking. Yeah, so Magic Bands can start at, at about that lower end price of $15, and that is a great souvenir price. They're, it's also a great gift to get if you're wanting to put it under your tree um, to surprise your kids with their trip or anytime you're wanting to surprise them. It's a great little thing that you can actually wrap up and give to them to present the actual trip. So they have lots of purposes both in the park and out of the park. So I think as a convenience item, they are absolutely worth it. As a souvenir item, you're getting them at a great price. If you're somebody that's on a super, super strict budget, do you have to have a magic band? No, you don't. But I would at least encourage one of your party to have a magic band because like Bethany was saying, the app does, you know, freeze sometimes, you know, Disney tech is not um, perfect. <laughs> there are, you can definitely run into some snags if you, you know, aren't able to use the app or your phone, maybe your, or just your phone dies. Maybe your phone dies in the park because you've been using it this whole time and now you have no battery. So having at least one magic band, I think is definitely the way to go if you can't swing it for your whole group. 
So now we're going to talk about Genie Plus. This is the newest addition um, to upgrading your ticket, I suppose. So what do we think about Genie Plus? Do we recommend it for first timers? Um, let's just hear your thoughts. Amber, what do you say? I'm going to say it depends on the day, but most of the time, yes, it's worth it. Um, Bethany. So I've only used it once. I do, uh, I do feel Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios would be the parks, if any. I would if they had a little extra budget to encourage. It is a little complicated, it, and it, especially for a first timer, right? You're already overwhelmed with the, you know, everything happening. So it is a bit complicated, but you would get the if you did sun up to sundown. Magic Kingdom and Hollywood Studios would be the probably the only two parks I would recommend. Suzanne, what about you? I would agree with that. Um, I think Magic Kingdom, it's, it can really be beneficial because there are so many rides. The thing about Genie Plus is you can only use it um, once per ride. So on a park like Animal Kingdom that has less attractions to use it for, the really popular things will go fast and then I don't always feel like it's worth the money. So I always say definitely yes for Magic Kingdom. If you liked it at Magic Kingdom, it was working for you. Yes for Hollywood, um, Epcot, and animal I'd say you can usually skip it yeah I agree with you guys there's not really a cut and dry answer on this it depends on a lot of things a lot of variables um so when my clients you know are going on their trip I let them know about it if they ask me about it I'll give them you know my my thoughts on it and that like you guys said I agree Magic Kingdom it's almost always worth it there I haven't heard anybody regret having used it for Magic Kingdom um, we didn't do Hollywood Studios on our most recent trip with Genie Plus, but I can see how it would be beneficial in there. And we did have it for Epcot just because I personally wanted to see, I wanted to buy it and see how it played in there. And I didn't think it was worth it. I mean, first of all, you just, the rides that are on it are not garnering super high wait times, but also keep in mind, I was with toddlers, so I wasn't trying to get on things, um, like test track I wasn't trying to get on test track which can sometimes have a longer wait the rides we were going for are ones that historically have lower wait times so I tell people that if you're only going to do it one day use it for Magic Kingdom and like Suzanne was saying if you like it then use it again for another park so next up we have individual lightning lanes which while the verbiage is a little confusing, these are separate purchases than your Genie Plus purchase. So you can buy Genie Plus and get access to a grouping of rides, which is the majority of rides at Walt Disney World, and, or you can buy individual Lightning Lake access. So you can buy this for Flight of Passage in Animal Kingdom. You can buy it for Guardians of the Galaxy in Epcot. You can buy it for Seven Dwarfs Mine Train in Magic Kingdom. You can buy it for um, Rise of the Resistance in Hollywood Studios. And that's not a full list. That's just the ones I'm thinking of off the top of my head. Um, so what do you guys say? Are individual lightning lanes worth it for first timers? Do you recommend these? Amber? I'm going to say yes, because all of these rides that are the individual lightning lanes are going to be the ones with the longest wait, maybe an hour, hour and a half wait. And if it if you're a first timer trying to maximize your day, that's going to be money well spent to spend less time in line and more time enjoying the park. Bethany, what do you think? 
So I've not needed to yet. I've roped dropped and, you know, quickly walked to the, uh, you know, maybe that e-ticket or that longer, you know, wait time attraction. So I've not needed to, uh, I think I would really definitely talk to my clients about what they would, is there an e-ticket? Is there that must do and, you know, give them all the information, but I, I've not needed to, I, I rope drop it in and I, I get, get on the ride and then move on with my day. I think. Uh, Suzanne, what's your experience with individual lightning lanes? We generally tend to rope drop the big rides and I'll recommend that to my clients as well. But if there's something that they definitely want to get on, um, I'd say if they can swing it, it, it can be worth the money. And in a park where there are a lot of rides like Magic Kingdom, if you do this for seven dwarves and that gives you more time to do the other rides, or again, an animal where you have less attractions, if you want a rope drop flight of passage, I don't think it's worth it. So it depends on the, you know, what their touring plan is, what they're looking for, how old the kids are, and definitely the time of year. If you're going to go spring break, Christmas, New Year's, it's it's going to be more worth it to just bite the bullet and pay for the, the lightning lane, where if you're in a, a less peak time, you might be able to, to get away with rope dropping. Yeah, so for these individual lightning lanes, I actually... For convenience sake, I actually recommend these over Genie Plus if they're not willing to do both or don't want to do both, because I understand that I personally don't like spending any extra money that I have to when traveling. These are things, these are the ones that I recommend over Genie Plus if their must see and must do is on that list. So like if they absolutely have to ride Guardians, then I think it's way less stress to start your day to say, hey, just buy an individual lightning lane instead of doing that mad rush in the morning of trying to get on the virtual boarding queues and maybe you make it, maybe you don't. And if you don't, you have to then quickly go over and see, okay, well, can I buy an individual lightning lane instead? Um, so I think that if you have the budget for it, if you're willing to pay for the convenience and for a little bit less stress, then I think this is the way to go, honestly, because like you said, with rope dropping, you can get a lot of things done. But if you're in a park where you've got, um, you know, maybe two or three different rides that you can't get to all of them during that, you know, you, you can only choose one to go to first, right? And then everybody starts getting a line. So I kind of talk with the clients to see what is their most important ride, but I personally find more value in individual lightning lanes over Genie Plus, but that is, that's just my opinion on that. <laughs> um, so we talked about water parks and Walt Disney World has two water parks. A lot of people don't even know that. So are, do you recommend water parks for your first timers? And have you been to them? Amber? Honestly, I don't usually talk about them at all with my clients. Mine are usually focused on the dry parks, um, the four main parks. I have been to one myself, Typhoon Lagoon, and it was really fun. But um, most of my clients would prefer just to stick with the four dry parks. Bethany, how about you? I've been to both Blizzard Beach and Typhoon Lagoon. Um, from a first-timer perspective, usually it's a shorter duration trip. And right, their their main focus is hitting up the park. So I, I don't usually, um, it doesn't usually come up for first-timers. Suzanne? That has been my experience too. I've actually never done them. We're not big water park people, but a lot of my first-timers are trying to get as much done in a short amount of time. Um, so we're just trying to, you know, maximize the four, the four dry parks and uh, I haven't had any first timers do the water parks. 
Yeah. So same for me. I mean, a lot of first timers may not even know they exist, but they are definitely wanting to visit the top four, the Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, Animal Kingdom. That's what they're thinking of when they think Disney. So typically, like you guys said, they don't have time to fit in water parks on that trip. And I find that that comes into play with more experienced guests who have been a lot of times that are looking to find something new that they haven't done before. I haven't done the water parks yet. I'm not really a water park person in general, but I've been saying for a while that I want to try one out, but I'm probably going to wait until the kids are a little bit older to fully enjoy that. My kids are one in three, so it would just be, I think, more trouble than it's worth chasing them around a water park. Um, (laughs) But when they're older and maybe can find joy in that, then we'll try it out, see how we like it. And um, again, we go often. So that could be something new for us to do, but not really something I think first timers need to prioritize. So my last thing on this list right here is mini golf. There are also two different mini golf courses on Disney property. So what do you guys think about those? Do you ever recommend those for first timers, Amber? Um, those kind of get lumped in with water parks for me. It's, it's an extra If they have a rest day, then I'll mention the mini golf. If they're not having a rest day, then it's kind of a moot point because I would not recommend sacrificing park time to go play putt-putt. Bethany, how about you? Yeah, I I, I honestly forget to bring it up sometimes. Um, I think I did it eons ago. I played at the course, one of the courses at least. Um, Yeah, I'm a... I'm a skip. I think if, if you have a day off, there's other things to do and see. Um, and I agree. I would definitely not sacrifice park time. Suzanne, what about you? Ditto for me. I mean, maybe if this was like their third day off and they'd done the pool, they'd done Disney Springs there or they, but yeah, I, uh, I don't generally recommend mini golf for a first timer. Yeah, so I agree. This is definitely a rest day type of activity. I would never say that you should sacrifice part time to do it, but I do, you know, mention it, let them know it's there in case they're looking for something to do on a rest day. Um, but yeah, it's, we haven't actually made it over to those yet either. It's something that we always talk about doing. My husband loves playing mini golf, but now again, with our kids being the ages they are, um, especially with a one-year-old, it just seems like oh, I can just chase her around this mini golf area and be stressed about it. So we just just haven't, we haven't done it yet. I do think we will eventually do that on a rest day when they can both play and interact with it a little more, but yeah, not something that we need to skip any kind of park time for. All right. So now we're going to get just a little more specific um, into a first timers itinerary. This is an itinerary that I recommend to my clients when they come to me with a baseline of zero. They want to go to Disney, but they don't know what they want to do. They haven't ever been or they haven't been in, you know, since they were a kid. So they don't know what's out there and they certainly don't know all the ins and outs of planning. So this is just where I start. And of course, and I think all of us would say this, our clients are in total control of their trip. We are there to assist them. We're not there to dictate to them what they can and cannot do um so if this you know but this is where I start this is what I give you and then from there we build it to fit your family's perfect vacation but more often than not 
clients end up sticking to this loose itinerary. And we just make sure that when we talk about what they're doing in the parks, it's things that they want to do. So I'm gonna recommend doing six nights, seven days at a Disney resort with a four day base ticket and memory makers. So we talked about those base tickets and memory makers at the start of this episode. And this vacation package allows you to visit each Disney park on a separate day. So you're getting a full day of Magic Kingdom, a full day of Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios. So while there's seven days of travel or seven days in your vacation packed in there, I'm actually only starting with a four-day ticket. So why do I do that? Well, day one and day seven are reserved for travel days. And there can be all kinds of hurdles and unexpected hiccups in those days, like our seven-hour delay slash layover in the Houston airport over Thanksgiving week. Definitely didn't expect that to happen. And we were visiting family, but let's just say that was our flight to Walt Disney World. We were supposed to arrive a lot earlier in the day, but we didn't actually arrive until 10 p.m. So if we'd had a park ticket for that day, I mean, it's just gone. We've lost that day. So I don't recommend using park tickets on those days for those reasons. But of course, if my clients want to add them in, then I'm happy to do that. But I just like to start on the safe side and not put tickets on travel days. So no one has to have that extra layer of stress. And so we've got two travel days. We have four park days, which leaves one more day. And I always recommend a break day in the middle if you have the budget for it. If you can easily walk 10 to 30,000 steps in a day. So I've counted, or not I haven't counted them. My Fitbit or my phone (laughs) has counted them, but I keep track of it to know. Um, And I rarely do less than 10,000 steps in a day. So having a break day in the middle is really helpful and makes those last two park days not feel as daunting. And I think it is especially helpful with kids, maybe younger kids um, that just, you know, their little legs just can't keep up. As an adult, I've done like four straight park days. And while I've been exhausted, I've been fine. Um, But this past trip, we did three straight park days instead of having our normal break. And that just completely reaffirmed that a break day is necessary for us my kids were dragging on that third day. Um, and while they still enjoyed it, I could tell that they were reaching their limit and there's definitely no way we could have done four. So my number one question that I get from my clients is, well, what am I supposed to do on that rest day? I don't want to miss the Disney magic. You know, what can I do? So you can hang out at your resort. If you're on a Walt Disney World resort, it's already magical in and of itself. You can go to the pool. You can schedule an out-of-park character meal to keep the magic going. And that is what a lot of my clients opt to do, especially first-timers who are really nervous about not being in a park. They're afraid their kids are going to be bored or they're just going to be you know, upset they're not in a park. So going to a character meal really helps keep that magic going. And then you're not spending park time at a character meal. So you still get to meet characters. You're not sacrificing park time and you get to sleep in a little bit or at least take a really good nap during the day. Um, This is when I throw in those mini golf rounds, Um, visiting Disney Springs or my personal favorite during the holidays, resort hopping. 
because you can visit any resort. You Sometimes it may be a little complicated figuring out how to get there, but you know, say you're on a monorail loop, you can visit every resort on that loop, or maybe you're at a Skyliner resort. You can ride that Skyliner anywhere it goes and visit the resorts there. Um, I've done that and spent an afternoon on the boardwalk. So trust me, there is plenty to do on the break day. And if your budget affords it, I think it is well worth it. Um, and then like we talked about a little bit earlier, I recommend Genie Plus for Magic Kingdom. And for the other three parks, I would go for individual lightning lanes for any can't miss rides. Um, and then as for how to tour the park, I personally recommend rope dropping. That's how my family does it for the most part. And if you're a first timer, you are really worried about standing in lines and having a lot of crowds, this is the way to avoid those crowds and get the shortest lines possible, even without GD+. You rope drop a park, you create a plan that your travel advisor will help you with, prioritizing what's important to you. Um, take a break during the middle of the day. It's always gonna be the hottest and most crowded during the middle of the day. And that's when people start getting stressed. That's when you start hearing people bickering while they're waiting in line. So you could just avoid that whole mess if you can take a break or at the very least schedule a sit down meal um, to get out of the madness. So what about you girls? What do you guys do for your first time clients? Do you have a standard itinerary? Um, just how do you advise those first timers? Amber, you want to start off? I honestly um, have their calendars or their dates dictate um, their plans. I don't have a lot of people coming to me and saying, how many days do we need? You know, we're, we're open to whatever you want us to say. Um, I usually have people saying, okay, we have this school break. You know, we have these five days that we can do or these six days that we can do. So for me, I, I love the idea of the first timer um, plan. And I think you've inspired me. I'm gonna make a graphic so that when I do have those people who are haven't been, either haven't been or haven't been in a long time, just something to give them and say, here's what I recommend starting with and just using that as a starting point and um, letting that kind of guide our planning. See, more often than not, mine actually come to me and they might not even have specific dates. They might be like, I don't even know what month I want to go. So that's <laughs> kind of where I started creating this. Like, this is how I recommend you start. And I mean, it does yeah. change. Like there are clients that go less days. There are clients that go more days. But it, for people that come with a literal baseline of zero, they don't know <laughs> when they want to go, what they want to do or anything. We kind of start there and work our way towards their perfect trip. I love it. So Bethany, what do you guys do? Yeah, no, I totally agree from a first time sample itinerary. I, I definitely agree with all of that. Um, Autumn, I'm in more your same camp of, I often get that traveler, no clue when they wanna travel. They just know some point in 2023, they wanna get there. And I start with this same sample length of time, sample itinerary, and then customize to support their needs and budget and time and, and whatnot. So Suzanne, how do you um, go about talking to your first-time clients? So my clients are a lot like Amber's where they have certain dates and they're looking to plan. Um, I A lot of my first-time clients will actually sacrifice a park day to do a rest day because I really recommend, you know, you're spending a lot of money to stay in these resorts. So if you're not going to spend any time in them, you're missing out on a lot of 
the benefit that you're paying for. Um, so they'll do three park days and a pool day in the middle. Um, so I, I definitely recommend the rest day, even with your kids, you know, they're early risers, but you keep them out late. They're not getting the sleep they want by the second or third day. It's going to be hard to get to the park and your morning's going to be a lot less enjoyable. Um, I always, always, always recommend rope dropping because that is how you maximize that morning and get um, your must do's out of the way. And then as far as park touring, um, kind of mixing, it depends on the age of the travelers, but mixing the kind of the big rides, the headliners with um, the more classic Disney attractions. And I always tell them not to sleep on the shows. Disney has a lot of really great shows. So don't, um, don't skip those on your way to the next attraction. So. So I want to ask you guys, what do you think about um, having tickets on your travel days? Do you guys often do that? Do you advise clients to not do that or to do that? I'm just curious how you guys go about it. Because for me, my personal opinions on it are that it would stress me out. So I don't recommend having it those days. Of course, if they want them, then I give it to them. I'm not going to not give them a park day, but I'm just curious your standpoint on that. How do you, how, what has your experience been with going into a park on a travel day? For me, so we, nine times out of 10, sorry, Suzanne, you're fine. <laughs> um, nine times out of 10, I'm going to do exactly what you said, Autumn, and not schedule a park day on their travel day. Occasionally, I will have a client that's like, okay, we have four days off and we want to do as much as we can, um, especially if they're flying from Atlanta. If they get that first flight out of Atlanta, they can be in Orlando by 9 a.m. sometimes, um, and so that can afford them a day in the parks. So I was going to say, I generally don't ever do or recommend uh, park day on your your arrival day um, because of flight delays and all that sort of thing. But we do a lot uh, park day on our departure day. So we'll do Animal Kingdom and then we're in the DC area. So we'll get a like an 8 p.m. flight nonstop back to DC. So you can be at the park till from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and get pretty much a great day. And so I've had clients, first time clients who have done that and that's worked for them. But you have to, there is some extra arranging with suitcases and bell services and getting back to your resort to get back to the airport. So there are definitely some extra steps, but it has worked for us and my clients. So, so we typically drive to Disney. And so, because you really can't anticipate air control traffic. Um, that's another reason that we don't typically do park days on those travel days and on our departure day we're leaving pretty early in the day so that we can get back because it's a six hour drive so it's not terrible and like we were at closer to an eight hour drive before we moved so what I typically will do on that last day is a breakfast a nice sit down breakfast maybe a character meal if we haven't had one yet but just kind of a way for us to like say goodbye to Disney because we're not actually in the park that day so we'll have try to get everything packed up beforehand and we'll have our breakfast to kind of cap off the trip and then hit the road. Um, that's how I like to do my, my final day in Disney. Well, that was a lot, you guys. So is there anything else that you want to share? Any kind of tips or tricks that maybe, maybe didn't go over for first timers that they might need to know? I think we covered a lot. I think we did too. So 
this week, we are going to have a fun fact to share with you guys. On-site Disney Resort guests do get special perks with their stay. Things like early park entry, sometimes even um, later park hours after closing for regular guests. You get discounts on Memory Maker and Magic Bands. Um, if you purchase those pre-trip and you have a Disney Resort package, you're staying on Disney Resort. Um, you're staying at a Disney Resort. And you can even get a free round of mini golf, which is another reason to kind of build that into your rest day because it's already included in your vacation package. Um, are there any other perks that you guys can think about that Disney Resort guests get? As far as dining, there's a bit of a perk um, because if you're on property, you can book your dining reservations for your whole trip at 60 days out. But if you're staying on property, then you could only book it 60 days, like 60 days from the day. So like on your Magic Kingdom day, 60 days before that, on your Epcot day, 60 days before that. So if you're getting up early to make those dining reservations, you're gonna have to do it multiple days instead of just one day if you're staying on property. So while these all may seem like little things, they do add up to give you that little bit of extra magic by being a Disney Resort guest. So I guess it's time to close. Thank you all for listening to the Fairy Podmothers. We are happy to be your one-stop shop for talk and tips, Disney, Universal, and beyond. Please join us on Facebook to keep the conversation going. We are all travel agents with Main Street and More Travel, a no-fee Disney earmarked agency. You can reach out to us on Facebook for a free quote. Please rate, review, and tell your friends, and we'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye. Doodles. Thanks, Autumn. Thank <laughs> you.